Welcome once again to the Grow People podcast with Pastor Jason. That's me. Uh, my name is David Stein. Pastor Jason is the lead pastor. I am the campus pastor here at the Canton campus of Revolution Church. The purpose of the Grow People podcast is to grow people. Grow people. Okay. <laughs> Never. I so bad want to yell that into the microphone, but I don't want like, I'm afraid people's AirPods would just like pop out of their ear. Well, whenever you see like a really good singer, especially on things like the voice and stuff like that, they always move the, pull the, it, pull it back, move yeah. the microphone away. Yeah. So that's all, that's all we have to do. Is, yeah. I'm not a really good singer, so it just stays away all the time. So <laughs> learn, just learn how to use. <laughs> Speaking of that, you know, it's very intimidating because I, I stand in the front row during worship mm -hmm. and, and I'm not a good singer. I don't, I would probably be a better singer alone, but I have, I can't corporately sing on key. Hmm. I, I can't corporately sing the right words and they're up on the screen. So <laughs> I have a lot of trouble, but that one, there's that one microphone picking up the crowd. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I'm always afraid of that. Yeah, Lin, uh, it's funny, Thad and Brian, you know, they they listen back to the weekend gatherings, mm -hmm. and Lindsay and I sit at the 1115 right there on the front row, and that mic's pointing right at us. Yeah. So they can always hear Lindsay in the crowd mic, and so they like that. Um, but then a few weeks ago, Lindsay was gone, and I told Thad and Brian, I'm like, hey, don't listen to the crowd mic this week because it was just me down there. Like <laughs> Lindsay wasn't there. Because uh, yeah, she she drowns me out as well. She, yeah, she ups the game in the front row. Yeah, uh, and so. I'm not even a good singer alone. Okay, so <laughs> well, but you like singing. Oh yeah, well yes. I mean, I like music. Okay, yeah, I should say. Right. Yeah, because I know you always have your AirPods in. Yeah, I enjoy, I learned, that was a trick my mom taught me in, in when I was in college to listen to classical music while I study because it's activating the other side of your brain hmm. and especially when it doesn't have words. And so it's not always just classical music. Sometimes now even there's some, some Christian groups that have put out instrumental yeah. only yeah. stuff. And so I'm listening to something like that mm -hmm. typically while I'm studying hmm. Um, because that's, again, it's activating the other part of your brain that you're not activating while studying because music, you know, and it's funny, we didn't plan on talking about this, no. but we don't plan on talking about much. half the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but music, you know, they know now, like the reason why music speaks to people the way it does is because music like bypasses almost your conscious thought. Hmm. Um, and, and, you know, our heart, we have a rhythm to us, you know, I mean, so our life, our our body, you know, and I'm not getting too it's a call, you know, it's mystic. A call back to the metronome. Reference. Yeah, the metronome reference. Like, so yeah, there's something about that. And my mom, again, my mom had sent me this article back in the late '90s when I was in college, and that's when I started. And I had a Walkman, you know, a CD player back then. Sony. Oh, I had the Walkman yeah. when it was a cassette. Oh, I had that too. Okay. Yeah, I had that too. Uh, I I didn't have an eight track player in my vehicle. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I started listening to classical music back and, and literally I've, I love school. I love learning, but I love being taught. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't love sitting down and studying myself. We actually talked even in some in all staff to, I don't like being alone and, and classical music really helped me. Mm -hmm. It really helped me to be there and be more present because it's, again, it's activating this whole other music again, just has this ability to do that. And, and I've heard some philosophers even talk about how 
you know, God built the whole universe with this rhythm. Like we've recorded sounds out in deep space, you know, at least. So like this, our whole universe exists, you know, in this kind of rhythm. So I don't, you know, again, I'm not trying to put too much into that, but to, uh, answers your question of, I don't, yeah, it's not that I necessarily like singing, but I do have certain songs. So like classical when I'm studying, mm-hmm. and then I have a hype song that I, that, that's instrumental as well before I go preach. Do you want to share that hype song? Yeah, it's the song. It's, it's funny. It's called Intro. Okay. Um, from a band. Hold on. Um, I can't remember the band's name. Well, while, you're lo- while you're looking that up, uh, I'm going to ask you a question. When you like, when you listen to classical music, are you listening to the hits? Yeah, most of them are uh, like classical favorites. Yeah. You know, um, I, have, I have a theory. You know, being in radio for for thirty four years, um, and in all different kinds of formats. You know, I was doing a top. Oh, sorry, play. I started playing it. No, it's fine. Go ahead. No, yeah, play, we, play, we can play, start, play, no, play it into the microphone. We'll finish your theory, and then we'll play it okay. into the microphone. So my theory was, and, and I was in top forty radio. Um, I did. I was in a country radio station at yeah. some point. Then I got into talk radio, serious talk, and then political talk, and then sports talk. But I had a theory about classical music. If there was a classical station that just played the hits, I think it would be a viable format. Yeah. I like classical music. Yeah. And I grew up on classical music, but I don't like to tune into NPR and hear, here is a brand new piece written. Yeah written this spring yeah. <laughs> by so-and-so, and yeah. it's performed by the Reykjavik Symphony Orchestra. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want the obscure stuff. Yeah, I agree. And, and some of the stuff I have has opera in it, mm-hmm. too, and I don't really like that because, again, it's yeah. people saying words. Yeah. Unless it's a hit. Unless, unless it's a unless hit. And then I'm Pavarotti singing Nessadormia or something. Yeah, yeah. Nessendorma. Whatever. Yeah. I don't even know. Okay. No, I, I mean, I literally went on on iTunes and just downloaded classical, you know, so my classical albums are, um, hold on. Now we're just like going through my phone. We're not going to get to anything (laughs) to help you grow today. (laughs) Just so you know, this is helping people No, like classical. I have one of them is, you know, the most relaxing classical music. And then others are like, one is an album of Mozart. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I would say all of these are definitely classical classical music right like mm-hmm. the major ones yeah, yeah. bach beethoven yep. mozart yeah those kinds of things yeah hey by the way if you're listening did you play the song yet no no okay. it, the band is called i think it's called it just says the xx so i guess that's the name of the band but it, it's been in a lot of movies and stuff okay. or different songs okay. so yeah you'll probably recognize it but this is this is what i listen maybe to. it's the 20 maybe the- that's it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's his, that's his walk-up music. Oh, that's my walk-up music, yeah. But hold on, we got to keep playing until you hear the when it goes into the other part. It's called the post. When it kicks in. Here so, it so are you hitting the post when you're hitting the stage? Hitting the post? Hit it, yeah. Yeah. No, I like this. So that's what you're playing backstage. That's what I'm listening to in my ears. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it's about to kick in. This is when I get really hyped. This mm-hmm. is when I start moving. He is ready it's to preach, baby. Right there. Mm-hmm. 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 So 
That's the song I listened to before. I Talk about pulling back the curtain. That's actually the curtain. That's the stage. curtain. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm listening to. Well, that was fascinating. Yeah. If you're listening to the Grow People podcast today on the day that it drops, and it drops on a Wednesday, uh, Pastor Jason is now 44 years and three days old. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you count, unless you don't count that day, then it'll be two I, days. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It was the 12th. Yeah. On Monday. Monday. Yeah. Monday. How'd you celebrate? Well, like I text you when you text me at the end of the day, you said, did you do, I hope you did something fun today. I said, well, I went to work to a volleyball game and dinner. So, uh, cause that was, you know, life happened. Mm -hmm. So we'll celebrate more later, but yeah, we had a, a good meal together with family and Natalie won her volleyball game. So that was great. Awesome. That told her it was a great gift for me. Uh, and then I went and bought a deer feeder, which was my gift. Hallelujah. So. I say I bought it. Like I bought it with cash that people gave me. So, yeah, which that's what I want. Lindsay's like, what do you want? I'm like, I want a deer feeder. Um, you know, which she thinks is is weird. Mm -hmm. But where, where do you where do you put such a thing? In the woods. Okay. Yeah. Right. Where the deer are. Okay. To we, feed do them. Do you have a camera? Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. No, there's some land that I hunt on. Mm -hmm. And so I've been developing uh, or preparing the okay. ground. Mm -hmm. uh, so planted food plots. Now, and I had some old deer feeders, so I needed a new one. Okay. So it's kind of a funny gift. Uh, I mean, a lot of the dudes that hunt would understand it, but it's, I just love being outside so much. Um, so anything that, that I can do outside, um, like hunting, riding, four-wheelers, you know, we were, I was planting food plots last week, and the guy that was helping me, I said, this is fun. He was like, this was fun. I'm like, yeah, this was a blast. You know, I love it so much. That's cool. That's cool. Um, no, and, and I, I like that you guys do that and occasionally will bring in something venison-like too. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a hint. Do you, do, you process, do you get it all processed and you eat it? Oh, yeah, okay. for sure. Okay. Yeah, a deer, uh, my favorite, it, the guy who, when I go hunting with my father in Arkansas, one of his buddies that he grew up with is the guy that processes it. And he makes a deer bacon burger. So he puts bacon into, because one of the best things about deer meat is it's very lean. There's hardly no fat in it. Um, but at the same time, whenever you're making a burger, like, you, I mean, the fat is what holds mm -hmm. it together. And so historically deer meat doesn't make for great burgers because it's, it doesn't, but if you put in some bacon in it, get some good fat in there. So, you know. It sounds like an affectionate letter that you would write to a burger. Dear Bacon Burger. <laughs> Dear Bacon Burger. <laughs> it has yeah. been so long since yeah. I've met. Uh, but it would be D-E-A-R. It, it would be. Yeah. It would be. But I see what you did there. I did. Yeah. Um, last time we spoke on the Grow People podcast, uh, there was a French fry controversy. And uh, I just want to know, have you, have you had any backlash from that? I haven't. Um, no. Uh, in fact, we talked about Arby's fries. So I went and ate Arby's fries like two days later because I wanted the curly fries. So maybe my arteries have had a backlash, uh, but no, not from people. Have you? Have you heard of? I, I, have, I have heard constantly. You, you hear more than I do a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. On, a, on a Thursday or a Sunday or even a Wednesday if I'm here for students, um, people will come up and talk about the podcast. A lot of people talk about the podcast. 
And uh, I got to introduce Chandler to some folks the other day. Oh, good. That wanted to know, you know, who is that guy? Who is him? And, 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 who is him? And, 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 who is he? And, and who doesn't like Chick-fil-A waffle fries? I just pointed him out in the lobby, that guy. I, I will there. say that, remember how we had the conversation of how they're super hot and then they get cold yeah, so in, quickly? In a nanosecond. Yeah. And so... On Saturday, Natalie had a volleyball tournament all day, and I had to go pick up some nugget trays from Chick-fil-A and for her, you know, break in between games. So I had to go pick it up, and then so I got lunch for ourselves. And um, when I got it, you know, the standard thing, I got one hot Chick-fil-A fry out of the bag first. I mean, that's just like a rule. You have to. It's like a tithe to yourself, you know. (laughs) Um, I want the first fruit of the hot fries. (laughs) But then I went and put the the food in the car and then went back to go get the nugget trays. And by the time I got back to the car, they were like cold, ice cold, like you said. Yeah. Like it happened so quickly. Yeah. So I was laughing to myself, you know, I'm like, as normal, David's right. Like it went from hot and enjoyable to cold in nanoseconds. Yes. But I didn't have my air fryer because we were over in Gainesville um, to warm them back up. But so I, I love how that is it's it's not only a rule it's probably a law should be that that once you get that bag handed to you you must prior to setting the car in motion yeah have one of those fries that should be a part of our hiring process now yeah which chandler would have not been hired probably no no, he doesn't Uh, he would he wouldn't be tithing the waffle fry yeah like We should just put a hot Chick-fil-A bag of food in front of people and see how they react. Mm-hmm. If they don't go yeah. reach for a hot fry, yeah. I'm like, we don't want you on our team. Yeah. You know. In um, Truett Cathy, Chapter 3, he says, test me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for that. <laughs> he says, test me. In Truett, Chapter 3. Instead of Malachi, it's Truett. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Uh, there's there's no segue into the seriousness of, of our topic today, so I'm going to slowly get there by just referencing the Queen, because the last time we, we spoke in the podcast, the Queen had not passed away. No. Um, she has since passed away, mm-hmm. and I had no idea the strength of her faith. Uh, I've been reading so much about her, Yeah, uh, hearing from uh, people in Parliament, mm-hmm. talking about how... Uh, and, and the word was she did not have a perfunctory faith. Yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't how, a performance. It was, it, and it's easy to go. Okay, well, she does her address on Easter, and she did her address on Christmas. Yeah, and, and that was it. But they all said that she had a deep, life-giving faith. Yeah, and there was a quote going around, and I just, it just floored me. And the quote was from her talking to somebody in an interview, and she said. I wish that Jesus would return in my lifetime. Oh, wow. And somebody said, why is that? And she said, so I could place my crown at his feet. Hmm. Man. Wow. And it, she has a literal crown. Yeah. And yeah. that that spoke to my own pride. Hmm. I haven't heard that. Yeah. Am I, am I willing to, to lay my pride hmm. at Jesus' feet? Hmm. And I just thought that was so good. Well, I had not. That, yeah, I'm kind of stunned by that. I... I was just talking to Cecily, you know, one of our staff members whose husband Tom is from mm-hmm. the UK and um and just how it it's affected him, you know, and cuz she was such a figure, you know, for 70 years. 
Um, and it's a completely different system than ours. And so it's kind of hard for us to wrap our minds around it. But yeah, I did see that, that clip from one guy in parliament that talked about how she was such a figure in their lives for 70 years. But the reason was because Christ was such a figure in her life. Mm. And so her constant of 70 years, she was able to do that because of Christ's constant in her life. That's the overflow we talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a really cool thing too, because you're right. I didn't, I just didn't, I, you know, Lindsay loves, like she loves the show, the crown and she mm-hmm. loves all the Royal family kind of stuff. I never really got into it that much, mm-hmm. but not because I didn't think it was right. good or, you know, like it wasn't bad. And like, um, but yeah, over the last week, um, learning more about her and, I mean, she truly was a remarkable woman. And that's what Cecily and I were talking about, even her humor, mm-hmm. um, like some of the funny things that she did. And yeah, so it really seems to be like the fruit of her, not only her leadership for 70 years, but her life. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a a strong faith there that produced this fruit of joy and love and perseverance that is really quite striking. You just don't see from so many world leaders. Right, right. And that actually does segue into something that we want to talk about today on the Grow People podcast. And it was something that you shared just a couple hours ago in our monthly all-staff meeting, and that's the staff from both campuses getting mm-hmm. together for a time of worship. And today today was kind of an open mic night mm-hmm. where we got to shout out a song that we wanted to sing. Mm-hmm and why we wanted to sing that. And that was pretty cool. It was powerful. Uh, But then you shared from the heart what God has been speaking to you about through some of your studies in your doctorate program, Mm -hmm. some of the books you've been reading. And one of the things you said at the outset, uh, and I wrote this down, you have to be with Jesus in order to speak for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And, And then you shared it's so easy to get into a place where we're working for him as a replacement for being with him. Mm-hmm. Why was that so powerful in your life? Yeah, it was so, and you, you said it, you know, I'm, I'm in my doctoral work. The class this semester is on spiritual formation. And I last, my last class was on contemporary issues. And so we were dealing with like what was going on in the church and in the world right then, which was really helpful processing coming out of COVID and how we handle things. That was super, super helpful. But now this class is almost the opposite. And I don't know if they did this intentionally, but even if they didn't, it it makes them look really smart because now we're dealing with spiritual formation. That's not a contemporary issue. It's we're talking about things that have are old, you know, that have been around Um, getting back to, you know, core spiritual disciplines. And so, I've been really excited about this uh, class because this is an area of my life where I struggle in, um, especially when it comes to, um, you know, different people break up discipline, like spiritual disciplines in different categories, like corporate disciplines, like gathering together, you know, um, celebrating, you know, um, those kind of corporate things. But then there's kind of private disciplines and, and particularly in this book that I we had to read, the three were solitude, silence, and prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I read this book or started reading this book when I was on my preaching break this summer. 
And I was sharing at all staff that it was when Jackson and I went to Colorado, which we've talked about on this podcast for our father-son trip. But that first morning, Jackson was still asleep because the time zone difference. I had woke up early um, or what was early then, but not to my body. And I started reading this book. And when I first started reading it, I just started crying um, because it, it was so impactful to me um, about the one the kind of the premise of the book is and this, this particular book was written 50 years ago. Um, and it was talking about the dangers then 50 years ago of how fast paced our society is <laughs> and how it's killing our souls. Um, when at that point in time, we didn't have the internet, we didn't have social media, we didn't have smartphones. Like we look back on then and think, Oh man, that was slow. <laughs> but at the time technology had progressed so much at that time where, you know, TV and radio and all this kind of stuff. There was so much noise that was, you know, on the scene then, but now it's just right. quadrupled. And so what hit me is, is he kind of gives a warning in the book at the beginning of the book where he says, um, he almost laments the fact if ministers, cause it's written to ministers are unaware of, the danger that's been done to their souls and therefore have been so formed by this secular world that they've lost the desire for righteousness anymore, you know, um, in the way of God and the way God made our hearts. Cause the book title is called the way of the heart. And I, I have always been, I mean, I'm by nature an extrovert. Um, so the hardest thing in me for ministry early on, which is kind of goes back to us talking about classical music mm-hmm was being by myself. And I hated it. If I was in my office trying to study and I heard people talking outside, I would get up and go to them because I was just so drawn to that. That's just, I love being with people. And so I'm by nature a people person and a doer. So the idea of being still or being alone and being still and being quiet was just not only foreign to me, but was excruciating Mm. for me. But I've been in ministry now, you know, for 20, over 25 years. And now I realize, or the Lord has shown me, I should say, that without time away with God, which again, we've been talking about in the message over the last few weeks, that if we want to bear fruit, we have to abide. If we want to abide, we have to obey. Well, the primary things we we need to obey are the spiritual disciplines, mm-hmm. you know? So as one who speaks for a living, you know, and, you know, quote unquote speaks for God, you know, I speak on behalf of God. I'm speaking God's words. Um, if I don't spend time with God, if I'm like our staff, we are called to speak for God. We are called to, you know, be the leaders of the church that are bringing the kingdom to earth, that are heaven on earth, you know, well, how in the world can I speak on behalf of God if I haven't been with God to know what he says? Mm-hmm. You know, so that was the point it was, and I really wanted to help our staff because again, this book and class has so ministered to me. Like I told our staff, Hey, if you'll allow me to just let me minister to you for mm-hmm. a little bit, yeah. because, um, as I told our staff uh, towards the end, and I don't even mind saying this on the podcast either, not as a way to guilt anybody, but as as the lead pastor of our church, I do have an expectation that our staff would be loving, mm-hmm. joyful, yep. 
peaceful, patient, kind, you know, the fruit of the spirit, good, goodness, faithful, self-control. I expect our staff to be the de-escalators in any situation. Mm-hmm. Um, like no, no Christian has the right to say, well, that's, you know, if they're rude, well, that's just my personality type. Well, you're just a jerk. Mm-hmm but even more so our staff, because as leaders, we're supposed to embody those qualities. But at the same time, what I was telling our staff is, yes, even though I want them, I expect them to have that. They're never going to have it if they're not abiding with Jesus. That's good. Um, So I I really wanted to be helpful because, again, it was so helpful to me that, I mean, I genuinely struggle with solitude and silence. Um. And, and even in the book, it talks about our, even our compulsiveness. And that was really probably one of the biggest things God made me aware of is the reason why I struggle with being alone and being quiet is when I'm alone and when I'm quiet, I'm, I'm forced to be with myself um, and be vulnerable with God. Um, and that intimacy kind of freaks me out. And then my compulsions come. You know, like, no, I need to turn on the TV. I need to do, I need to, I need music. I need whatever. I need, you know, I need to, I need to do something. This is too quiet. This is too weird. Um, and so I, one of the things that, I, and this is partly why, again, I, I, I mean, I was bawling when I read this book in Colorado because it made so much sense to me. Like any compulsive actions I have, you know, whether addictive things, you know, even food, you know, as I've talked a lot about, those are symptoms. Um, and and they're symptoms of, I think of this is if I can learn how to be alone with God and be quiet and even praying, we talked, it's not saying a bunch of words. And one of the things he talks about in the book is our world is so wordy, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, think about it. How often, if we ever have a free second, we're standing in line, we're using the bathroom, like a free moment to be quiet, what's the first thing we do? Pull out our phones. We pull out our phones and we open up something because we can't stand it. We, we're just like trained, you know, which again, you know, Satan is crafty. Um, so it just struck me. Uh, and this is why I wanted to share it with our staff is if we don't cultivate these disciplines of solitude and silence and simple prayers, you know, one of the things he talks about is just one word, you know, like the Lord is our shepherd, just like focusing on God, would you shepherd me, shepherd me, shepherd. And not that because it's like we're chanting or somehow mystical, but it focuses our brain. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really wanted to, and it, it was really kind of a great, for our staff, it was a great follow-up from the messages the last few weeks, which is why we wanted to talk about it here, is for those that are you know a part of our church and have been listening to the messages on abiding and bearing fruit the last two weeks, this, if you want to bear fruit, then you have to abide. If you want to abide, you have to obey. Well, two of the three of the best things we can learn how to obey are these spiritual disciplines. You brought something up in the message uh, again on Sunday and, and on Thursday last week, and it's something that you've talked about, I've talked about. We do this in our pastoral care, mm-hmm. and it's the concept of uh, primary desire, necessary condition. Yeah. 
you don't get what you want doing what you want. You get what you want doing what you need to do to get what you want. Yeah. Why don't we want to spend time with God? Yeah, I think, again, I think part of it is we're so, we're so deformed by the world. Like, uh, I mean, it feels so foreign to us, you know, um, I use this example, you know, where we're, when we are in a good relationship with somebody, uh, and we have a really good friend, um, that the reason how, you know, they're a good friend is if you can be alone with them and you don't feel like you have to say anything, Mm -hmm. you don't feel like you have to entertain them at all, or you can just be there and be quiet because your presence with each other is so comfortable. But when there's somebody that we're nervous around walks in and we're alone, we, we feel like we have to say something. So I think what we think is that's what it is like with God. Like the idea of being alone with God almost scares us mm. because we're, we're so not like him, which again, to a degree makes sense because he's holy right? and we're not, you know, it's like uh, when Jesus you know, I can't remember exactly where it was, but when the guy realizes, uh, I guess it was Peter, um, who Jesus is, he was like, I'm sinful, you know, get away from me. Mm-hmm. So we are sinful and unholy in the presence of perfection. Naturally, we're not going to feel comfortable mm-hmm. um, because our relationship is such that we feel like we have to talk a lot to impress God. But I use this example one at all staff, and it it's funny. I didn't think about it before all staff, but as I was talking, that's how you know you're an extrovert too. You have to talk in order to think. This idea or this this um, thought came in my head. You know, taking a vacation with my wife um, is arguably one of my most favorite things to do, um, other than maybe. Well, I wouldn't say other than, but like. Hunting and being with the Lord, you know what I mean? Like, um, but being with Lindsay, like we had our 20th anniversary, we went to Mexico and we laid on a beach. Well, I looked forward to that for months Mm -hmm. because it was a time that I could be with the one person that I don't have to say a word with. Right. She knows me. I don't like, I don't, I don't have to explain myself. You know, we could just be. Well, that's not how we think about our relationship with God. And so it was so helpful to, even today talking about it, thinking like, oh, if I can start to see my times with God like that, like a vacation on a beach with a person that knows me. Um, well, now I want that. Um, and, and the thing, and I actually teared up in all staff saying it, is that's how God thinks about it with me. Mm. You know, that's how God thinks about it with us. He's so... Not desperately like he's desperate. I don't want to make God sound like that. But, but God so wants us to have rest in him um, that he is offering us a time on the beach to come just be with him. Um, and I think the reason why, to answer your question, our soul doesn't want that is because we don't understand what he's offering. So, and it's so foreign to us. Um, it feels so weird to us. Um, we think of our relationship with God way more as a performance. We got to say all these things, do all these things. 
So again, I think if we can reframe it, which I think is what Jesus was saying, which is why he said, Matthew 11, come to me and I'll give you rest. Like, come sit with me, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I'll grow the fruit in you. Just be with me. Um, the fact that the God of all creation wants to be with me, wants to spend time with me. And what he did to get to you. What he did to get to us. Um, so I think that changes the desire that the, your original question, the want to, mm-hmm. then the second part of that is what do I need to do to get what I want? Well, if I want to be with God, if I want to abide with God in that way, if I want to have a relationship where God and I metaphorically can sit on the beach together and just be, then what do I need to do to get that? And that's where learning how to cultivate solitude, you know, which is not just being alone, but it is being alone with God. Mm -hmm. Silence is not just not talking, but it is listening to God. Right. And there's a reason why it's called practicing spiritual disciplines. Yes. It takes time. It takes practice. Yes. Not a game. No. Not a game. Exactly. (laughs) Someone said that to me last few weeks ago when I was talking about the position determines the practice. Yeah. I'm talking about practice, man. Um, (laughs) But again, I've... and I said this in all staff that after reading this book and thinking about it, and I posted this on my, on our online forum for my class, I'm probably more excited now than ever to pursue those disciplines. Hmm. Because before when I would be by myself alone, silent, all of us have this, your mind starts racing and starts going crazy, you know, um, you're never as settled in your soul. And I think it's because we are like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. We'll, we'll just sit there and be quiet. Don't say anything. And I mean, you can say simply two words, help me, you know? Um, and then just this, this, you know, that's why also it's called practicing the presence of God, like the presence of God, like that is his rhythm. Like I said last week, you know, that is his step. Like, in that moment when we do that, we just got in step with the spirit. Well, something happens in your soul, mm-hmm. you know, and we, we did it in all staff. We took like seven minutes to be alone. Like I went into the back room of the cove in Canton um, and be quiet and just be with God. Um, and that's why I was saying in this post, like I've never been more excited to pursue these disciplines because it's like, hold on. It's like thinking about my wife. You mean I get to go lay on a beach with my wife? Yes, please. Because she's my most favorite human. Um, and so now I'm thinking about solitude and silence and prayer. I'm like, wait, you mean I get to go be with God? Yes, please. Because mm-hmm. he's my f- most favorite God. You know, <laughs> he's, he's more than human. Um, and so I think if we can learn to frame it like that, then we'll understand that God doesn't want us to do, again, he doesn't want us to to do these things just because he likes commanding us, you know, or just because he wants to make our life miserable. He knows the rhythm through which our soul was made. It was made in his rhythm. And so by us practicing silence and solitude, this way it's getting our souls back in rhythm with him, which is why it quiets our soul so much, it, you know, which almost sounds mystical to us. 
But that's one of the things that bugs me about Christians so much. We don't talk about God like this, you know, depending upon your tradition. Um, but definitely in my tradition, in a you know more conservative, reformed, Baptistic tradition, we didn't talk about God like this. Um, this personal, you know, but the primary metaphor between Jesus and the church is marriage. Mm. And so God, that's why I thought the analogy of, uh, like, I can't wait to go on a vacation again with my wife mm. because I just want to be with her. Yeah. Um, cause that's the one person in the world I don't have to explain myself to. She loves me already. And she wants to be with you. And exactly. That, and that tie, likewise. ties in the metaphor. Yes. The, the concept that you've been talking about related to something you brought up in a message a couple of weeks ago, the RK. Yeah. As, as the leader of our church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was the thing that, again, that was so sobering to me. And just like I said, I expect our staff um, to have joy to have love, to have the fruit. I expect them to have that. Um, I also expect that no one on our staff would have more joy and love than me. Mm. Um, because if I'm the leader, you know, my title is lead pastor. And to use that reference in the message at Arche obviously means ruler or prince. And it was a reference to Satan, but generally speaking, the definition of that is one who embodies the qualities the most. And what makes Satan the ruler is he embodies the qualities of evil more than anybody. And what makes Jesus the prince of peace, the archa of peace, he embodies that more than anybody. So from a leadership perspective, I should embody that more than y'all mm -hmm. if I'm the leader. Mm -hmm. And then y'all should embody that more than our team leaders right. and our team members. So there's no team member on our teams here at our church that should have more joy and peace and patience and love and kindness than our staff. And there's no staff member that should have that more than me. Um, well, that's a, that's a huge, that means I better spend some time abiding with Jesus then, because then this is the whole point we were trying to make originally, or the thought is how in the world can I lead people to Jesus when I haven't been with him myself? How can I lead people into the way of Jesus if I don't know it myself? If I'm not being with Jesus, then how in the world can I speak for Jesus? And, and the kicker to this is what you sp spoke about uh, a few weeks ago. I don't know if it was two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Jesus is out for your joy. Yes. So you get, yeah, that was to, last week. You yeah. get to spend time with yes. Jesus yeah. because he's out for your joy. You get more joy by doing that. Yeah, you know, we all know the the stories of Jesus, how he got up before daybreak to go spend time with his father, or how he would leave crowds just like seemingly random. Like he would just sneak away. You know, and I've joked, he's like ninja. Jesus, you know, he was like, Where's Jesus? We don't know. Well, he's over in the Mount of Olives, you know. And of course, you know, in his humanness, Jesus had to do that. Um, because he had to practice those disciplines too. But in his godness, um, and I, you know, I, it feels weird saying that because, you know, he's fully both. Um, but Jesus just loved his father so much. Hmm. You know, I mean, I, I just imagine Jesus being like, 
y'all are crazy. I got to go see God. Like I got <laughs> like I got to go I got to go hang with the dude who I don't have to explain myself to. You know, like Jesus I always just thought of it as Jesus had to go do that to be empowered for ministry. I never thought about it from the perspective no, Jesus wanted to go do that. That's that's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted it because he loved it so much. Mm-hmm. He wasn't he wasn't just doing it to be empowered for ministry. He did it because that was his rhythm. That's, I mean, you know, God has existed from eternity past. That's how they've been dancing for all of eternity of being together. And again, we don't know theologically how it all works. The hypostatic union, you know, Jesus, two natures in one person. I mean, all, you know, obviously that's a mystery, but to some degree, Jesus was God, but he's not God. I mean, sorry. Jesus is God, but he's not the Father. Let me clarify my words before I get heretical here. But as the Son, he loves the Father so much that like he just wants to be with his dad. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think about that, you know, my dad lives in Texas and you know, we're four states away. I used to I went hunting. This kind of come full full circle now. I used to love going hunting because that's when I got to be with my dad. Mm-hmm. So I developed a love for hunting because I just loved being with my dad. Um, and I think the same thing is if we, we will develop a love for people. Um, if we just love being with our father. Um, so yeah, we shouldn't want to go to God just to get empowered. Although that is a fruit. I mean, you know, that is a point of why the spirit came. He's the helper. Yeah. Um, and Jesus said, you will receive power to witness, you know, we'll get to that at the end of John. But at the end of the day, if, if there is like, so I'm saying all that say now the best part of my week is having time alone with God to study his word. Now I've learned to love it because my soul, my soul knew it needed it before my brain was even aware of that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, you do feel those things. It's, yeah. It's a craving. Yeah. And again, the, we can only relate it to a relationship with our spouse. It's just something, you know, and I know not every marriage is like this, uh, but this is what we want for people. You know, I'm at home where my wife is. Yeah. It doesn't matter the house. I'm at home with her. Yes. And there's this sense that I'm also at home with God. Um, And if we can cultivate a relationship with God where we feel this sense of like, I'm at home with him and we just want to hang with him and be with him, then he'll grow that fruit of joy. And so I was really trying to connect it to our staff in a tangible way from the messages of like, Hey, if you're lacking joy in Jesus and love for others, it's because you have, you've been so deformed by the world mm. that there's never any space for God to transform you because you're not even being with Him. Mm. Um, there's so much that we're inundated with. You know, we, we've talked about that several times on the podcast. But the irony of all of this, the irony of these particular spiritual disciplines, uh-huh. silence, solitude, and prayer, is that we're talking about this on a podcast where people are listening to it, and we're awful listeners. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I spent 34 years in a business that, that, that rested on listeners. Mm-hmm. But we, me, 
uh, we're all bad listeners. Mm -hmm. uh, we listen to so much stuff, we can't stop and listen to God. Yeah. We can't just take that moment. Yeah. And you know, we started this uh, as a church a couple years ago in Abide. Yeah. Uh, where we came out of Abide, we took communion, but in that communion that January, and I would say it was two years ago, mm -hmm. we started out with two minutes of silence. Yeah. And it was hard. Yeah. The entire congregation. Yeah. Just sitting silent. Yeah. And and we knew it was going to happen because it happened with us off, off air. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Offline. Where we began to weep. Yeah. You could hear people weeping mm -hmm. 90 seconds into the silence yeah. because it was maybe the first time that they had just sat. Mm -hmm. And it's still, for me, the most difficult of the disciplines. Of course. Um, but Because you're I, a talker. Yeah, yeah. Talk, so am I. Talk for a living. Um, and, and I've shared this before. Uh, I think it was on the podcast, my first silent and solitude retreat. Did I ever share that? You shared it with me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, going to Central California, I'm a new believer. It's 2007. I had just read Donald Whitney's Spiritual Disciplines for mm -hmm. the Christian Classic Life. Classic book. Yeah. And man, I was fired up. I am going on a silence and solitude retreat. I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to take two days off from, from four hours a day talking on, yes. the, ra on the radio. <laughs> and I'm going to go to this cabin in Central California. And it's not sequoia trees, but they're big trees. Yeah. So I'm in the middle of 10 miles from nowhere. And I think this is going to be the greatest trip ever. But I'm 10 miles from nowhere in bear country. Mm. And this cabin, uh, I'm pretty sure the previous Airbnb residents were Freddy Krueger, <laughs> the, the guy from Halloween, Jason, Jason from, Hall yeah. from Halloween. And, and I, I just could not sleep because I wasn't talking and I wasn't listening to anything. Yeah. And I, I brought my first Bible with me and I, I brought that book on spiritual disciplines and it was excruciating. Yeah, it was like your first date with God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. And, and what do I say? What? what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hope he likes me. Yeah. Hope he likes me. Yeah. <laughs> and and it was about four a.m. the next morning, mm. and I just couldn't stand it anymore. I couldn't sleep. I knew I was going to be axe murdered or eaten by a bear, and and I just kind of burst out the front door and I start running, mm. and I'm I get to my car, and it's still dark. But I could sense that day was going to break. Mm -hmm. And, of course, in the light, there's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. And daybreak began maybe about 5.15. And I'm looking up at these incredibly tall trees, and the canopies of the trees are so high, yeah. it takes a long time for the light to, to come, come filtering through. down. Yeah. And the light begins to, begins to filter down, and clearly one of the only times I've ever felt yeah. the voice of God. I didn't hear the audible voice of God. Mm -hmm. And he said, why are you afraid? Mm. I'm here. Mm. Look around. I made all this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and that was my first experience with solitude. Mm. And it was, it was hard. Yeah. <laughs> but it was so fruitful. And now I kick myself. Why don't I do more of that? Exactly. Why, why, don't, I, why yeah. don't I get on my knees and just say nothing? Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things he talks about in this book, which is so true, and I, I mentioned this in, to my class, was it's partly because of ministry success, quote unquote. Like our, 
our church, Revolution Church, um, has been successful. And for those of you listening, I'm doing that in air quotes. Yes. We've been a growing church, you know, um, and from, from people and campuses and new churches, you know, and so almost, you know, our success is what it becomes our Achilles heel because we, we are encouraged to do more, Mm. you know, Hey, you're, you, the church is going good. What are we doing next to keep this going? And no one is sitting around. I shouldn't say no one. I I have had a few people in my life over the years that have thought this way, but very few people are sitting around saying, but how's your soul? Mm -hmm. You know, like everyone's encouraging us to be more successful in ministry. There's always more opportunities. Mm -hmm. There's always new needs. There's always people. There's always things to do. There's always another phone call, a funeral, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? So you, you can be so busy and successful in ministry, um, that no one is, again, very few people are going to say, you know what? The most successful thing you can do today is go be with God Mm. by yourself. Don't answer a phone. Don't answer an email. Um, I'm having coffee today with the guy who actually asked the question. How's good? Your yeah. <laughs> oh, like I said, very few. Um, and so, therefore, what begins to happen is, and I was thinking about this earlier. You know, everybody's always, especially in the world of social media, it's like, did you see what they said? Did you see what she said? Mm-hmm. Did you see what he posted? Did you see that thing? Well, it's like you want to ask people. What's, what is God saying to you? Mm. I don't care what right. what uh, CNN said or Fox News said or whatever people said um, or <laughs> whatever influencer or blogger. I don't care. Uh, I'm not saying that what they're saying is bad and in, in, in inherently, you know. But my point is how much of our life is built around what was said in the last 24 hours by people as opposed to what was said by God 2000 years ago. Um, and so what if we begin to c- cultivate that? Hey, David, what is God saying to you? Mm-hmm. Um, when's the last time you spent some time with him and what's he saying to you? Um, well, I would, I would venture to say the vast majority of people would have no idea how to answer that question. Right. Um, and I don't mean that arrogantly. A lot of times I wouldn't know how to yeah. answer that question. I was like, oh, yeah, haven't talked to him lately. Mm. Um, and I think that's the danger in it. And again, in ministry, it's, it's even more dangerous for leaders uh, because everyone is encouraging you to be more successful in ministry, but not more successful in your soul. Um, but the ironic thing is, ministry long-term will be far less successful if our soul shrivels up. And as you have said many times, if you are saved, you're in ministry. So if you're listening today and your vocation is not at a church, that doesn't mean we're not speaking to you. We're speaking to moms, dads, teachers. Yeah, any kind of leadership. And anything that you are doing where you are leading people, Mm -hmm. even leading yourself, this applies to. Yeah, like 
parents are called to speak on behalf of God. I mean, the Bible says train a child in the way he should go. Um, we, you're speaking on behalf of God to that child. There's a stewardship there. Every leadership is a stewardship. As Andy Stanley says, it's temporary and you're accountable. Um, so it's all a stewardship. But if I'm supposed to speak for God, then I better develop a relationship with God yeah. so that I would know what he wants me to say. Mm-hmm. You know, And again, that's the problem with us as talkers. Like I, I've joked before, there's never been a problem in my life that I didn't think I could talk my way out of. Mm-hmm. And so therefore I'm thinking, you know what's going to fix this? More talking. <laughs> um, but that's not how it fixes my relationship with God, um, which is why our relationships with God are so shallow because it's so built. We built it so much on talking as opposed to being quiet and listening. Well, if I'm going to have anything worth saying, I better have been quiet with him and listen to what he wants me to say. In a culture that screams, do more. Today's podcast says do less. Spend time doing nothing and listening to God. Yeah. Doing, I would say, do the one thing. Do the one thing. Yeah. Do something. That, yeah. That, but I know what you're saying. I'm not contradicting you. But yeah. I'm, but what we're saying, definitely do less. But do the one thing that enables you to do everything else. Abide in Jesus. So, as we've talked about before, this isn't a priority list where Jesus is first and then second, third. This is no Jesus is the center of everything. That's right. So if I'm spending time with Jesus at the center, then every other circle, Jesus is the center of yeah. it. Yeah. If you're, um, if you're reading a blog and it's 11 ways to a better anything, better, a better blank, a better marriage, a better ministry, a better job, a better whatever, uh, and it doesn't include Jesus at the center, delete it. Yeah. I mean, just understand that, again, it's uh, so many of those things are task oriented, not relationship oriented. That's right. Again, if, if I can't go on a vacation with my spouse and sit there with him, then we've got, or her, her. uh, yeah, mine's a her. Um, we've got massive problems. Yeah. Um, and I think there's, I mean, there's a lot of people listening to this. They would be like, Oh gosh, I don't know if I could do that. Mm. Well, that means there's a lack of intimacy between the two of you. Right. Um, so you need to do the one thing mm-hmm. that's going to enable you to do everything that you want in your marriage is learn how to be together, uh, learn how to be vulnerable with one another, um, learn how to be, you know, again, the whole be with part. Um, so that's my point is like, that's the one thing that will enable us to do everything. So I, I to your point of like something has 11, if I'm going on vacation with my wife and I'm thinking, here's the 11 things that I need to do with her mm-hmm. while well, I'm missing it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, no, I just need to learn how to be with her. Yeah. Um, which may include 11 things, you know what I mean? But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, all through the podcast, any, anytime it clicks, okay, this is going to be the title of the podcast. I write something down and I have a few things written down, maybe something about classical music, maybe something about the queen, but I think the title's going to be Do the One Thing. Mm. Do the One Thing. Yeah. Uh, you've been listening to the Grow People podcast. Uh, powerful stuff today, and uh, hopefully it made you laugh also. Um, <laughs> if you want a transcript of today's podcast, just write everything down we said, um, which is always funny. 
I thought. Yeah. I thought. Chandler, is, that a, is it funny every time, or should we stop doing it? I, I look forward to it. I'll be honest. Okay. <laughs> I do. Yeah, yeah. because I, I know somebody's going to come up on a Sunday and say, hey, you didn't say if you want a transcript of the podcast. Yeah, everything that's that true. Say, it yeah. was definitely so funny the first time. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you shocked us yeah, all. Yeah, but now it's kind of like one of those catchphrases. It's yeah, like, it's like a, an SNL catchphrase. It is. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, this has been the Grow People Podcast. Uh, the best advice we could ever give, aside from do the one thing, is trust Jesus and take a nap. See you.